This is Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Welcome to Be Heard Talk, where we talk race, politics, and culture. And we do that all from our very diverse and unapologetic perspectives. My name is Selena Hill. You can follow me at Miss Selena Hill. That is spelled with an MS, of course. You can also check me out at MissSelenaHill.com. Shout out to Jim Mill Foods, who hooked me up with the bomb website. So check it out there. I am super, super happy and excited to be on the show. We're talking athletes. We're talking um, activism. And obviously, we have to talk about Chadwick Boseman. So there's a lot to talk about on this show. We have a very special guest who will be joining us later on. And, you know, he always brings the heat. I had an interview with him, a one-on-one a few weeks ago, and he came with the smoke. And you can check that out on my Instagram page as well but um you know enough about me look at stanley looking all bright with the good lighting for the first time ever okay stanley stanley is looking moisturized right now put some respect on me all right listen all i did was open the window okay i'm here though what's going on the shade he put the shade up exactly exactly but listen folks don't let lena's teasing of me fool you i'm cool you can find out on twitter you can follow me there at Stan Fritz. You can also follow me on IG at Stan Fritz. If that's not enough, check out my medium, where I write for Let's Not Be Trash, and of course, Be Heard Talk. What else we got in the show today, Selena? Tammy. We have Tammy with the, ba- with the bang. With the bang, y'all. With the bang. With the bang. Hey, y'all. And- Happy Sunday. It's Tammy, me. What does that mean? Uh, you're not on TikTok because there's this viral video. It's like, it, like she just keeps going, bangs. It's it's because she has a picture of her with horrible bangs, and it's like, ooh, not the bangs. Oh. So bangs, so good. And now I'm just obsessed with bad bangs. Um, besides my constantly rotating wig collection, I am known here on Be Heard Talk as your succulent, clear skin, problematic fave. I am very excited about today's show because I don't know a thing about sports. Um, I don't really think they're important or contribute to society, but I am looking oh, forward to being proven wrong by NBA superstar and activist Steven Jackson. Please educate me, y'all. Um, before we get to the news roundup, I want to toss it to Evan, one of my favorite correspondents. I've missed you a lot, and I'm really happy you're on the show today. What up, Evan? Thank you. I miss being on here. Also, gotta say, this is my fourth in-house quarantine cut. Did this all myself. Mm. Uh, all original yeah, right here. So I don't have uh, bayangs or whatever. I don't know what the TikTok. <laughs> I don't know what the TikTok kids are doing nowadays. You can't. You can't catch me up. Uh, I do, and it's all, all original, all my cuts. Um, and I, I don't have enough time to tell you why I disagree that sports are important, but hopefully we'll, we'll get to that later. But you could also follow me at let'snotbetrash.com and on the medium. Uh, I'm the co-creator along with my, my boy Stanley here. We got a lot of good content there. You could follow me at, at underscore masternardi. And follow me and let's not be trash at, at let's not be trash with just the B on Instagram. Yeah. We look it. Before we get to our main story, which thank y'all for who are live now for tuning in and for listeners, promise we'll get you there soon. Um, Before we join you live, we're going to do the news roundup, but a little bit different today. Um, Instead of bringing you the stories that made you laugh, cry, and lit up the group chat with memes, we're going to use this segment to honor a supreme talent, a truly legendary man, that passed away this Friday peacefully. Um, Before we get into that, I know Evan, you were at the March on Washington. And so before we talk about a historical figure, can you give us a little bit of context of what happened and what the mood was there this weekend? Yeah, so I was uh, honored enough to take part in that with a few friends uh, who have been on my show, um, Let's Not Be Trash, and who Stanley knows, including uh, Jordan, our mutual friend. Uh, so first the night before, right, there was what was, what was promoted as a rave, but I would, it was just a lit protest with like anger, with joy, with like DJ, they were playing everything from, you know, I know someone said Soldier Boy in the comments. Uh, this isn't just Soldier Boy, by the way, this is uh, Bronx Dominicano. There's a lot of other eyebrow slashes going on, but it was, it was everything from Chance Rap, Soldier Boy, the system of a down, like they was playing everything. And then... 
the the cops came on all sides of us with like five different vehicles to break it up. They had bicycles, they had motorized bicycles, they had helicopters. I mean, they had a lot for a bunch of people that was just unarmed and listening to Chance the Rapper. But uh, they decided to break us all up at a certain point. Uh, we left. Luckily, we left Pawnee Trouble. But it was like a really amazing time in front of the White House lawn, protesting, singing, dancing, everything. And then Trump was putting fireworks in our face uh, at the end of the RNC while we were protesting him, which was a really interesting juxtaposition to watch him celebrate while we were hating on him and talking about lives being lost because of police brutality and the pandemic and seeing in the sky Trump 2020. Uh, then after that, we went to the actual march. Uh, he made it as hard as possible for us to get there, many delays. Uh, when I finally got there, I was hearing Dr. King's son speak, which was an amazing experience. I heard Dr. Uh, Reverend Sharpton speak. I heard the family of George Floyd speak, of Breonna Taylor speak. It was an incredible experience to be around so many people who are there for the same purpose uh, from all over the country. And yeah, it's something I do remember. Despite all the uh, obstacles they put in our way, which pale in comparison to the ones in 1963, which were real obstacles instead of just a blockade here and there. Um, phenomenal experience is something I'll always remember. And I really enjoyed seeing all the family members of uh, those who have perished due to violence really get their stay and stay. We're not giving up. Thank you for the update, Evan. Um, I know that Theoretically, this might go down as a moment for the history books, like we're in the middle of a movement and such a nationwide sort of coalescent effort is super important, especially, especially to us here on Be, Be Heard, because all of us are woke activists that are always trying to get out on the streets. So thank you for going um, when we couldn't make it. And shout out to Jamel Cruz who's watching because he was there as well. Word. Thank you for going, Jamel. You're dope. Um, so let's just launch right into this tribute. Um, obviously the March on Washington is going to be something historic, but something else historic that we've been grappling with this weekend here at home is the loss of Chadwick Boseman, an actor, director, and honestly forever black superhero who has died after a four year long battle with colon cancer through which he released some of our favorite and best-selling Marvel films, including Black Panther, an international record-breaking success, um, and several other films, according to his IG, from Marshall to Five to Bloods, or to De Five Bloods, August Wilson's Ma Rainey's, and several more. Quote, all were filmed during and between countless surgeries and chemotherapy. Just so y'all know how hard this man has been working through his illness, he even had a few up and coming projects, including a starring role in Yasuke, a film based on the very true story about the only African samurai in history. Mm. Um, before I go into how and why Chadwick Boseman has a monopoly on legendary role, role model figures like uh, Yasuke and uh, James Brown and a number of others. I want to share with y'all a little bit about his interesting career history. So Bozeman studied at Howard as a director and a screenplay writer, was mentored by Felicia Rashad, aka Claire Huxtable, and sponsored by Denzel Washington to study acting at Oxford. Though he used yeah. to become a better writer, he fell in as a natural talent. And his shot to fame was the portrayal of legendary black baseball player Jackie Robinson in 42. He's played other historical figures like Thurgood Marshall and Marshall and James Brown and Get On Up. But his catapult to international recognition was his role as King T'Challa in Black Panther. Now this was a part of a few year enterprise that led with its own movie. And not only did this shoot Chadwick Boseman to fame, it single-handedly gave our community a role model that will never ever be forgotten. On the success of Black Panther, he told NBC Today that America was thirsting for this kind of representation and that especially in the fight for equality, Black America needed a superhero now more than ever. But it wasn't just Black Americans who needed him. 
from Germany to Australia to China, he gave the whole diaspora something to celebrate. In a Twitter statement released on his account, it was noted that Black Panther was the honor of his career. Now, to tell you how hard our community is mourning, pictures of kids with their Avengers toys and Wakanda gear are popping up with makeshift memorials, and the announcement of his death is the most liked tweet of all time with over 7 million likes. So as we collectively mourn the loss of this Black icon, let's not forget that we need people like him more than ever, people who study and perfect their craft and always amplify amplify black voices and black heroes and lastly while we mourn we know his family is taking this even harder so we here at be heard talk are sending love light and well wishes to his wife and his family who are understandably asking for space and privacy at this time stanley how you doing man how you feeling about this like i know this is a lot yeah, I mean, this is a gut punch. It was I was com completely caught off guard. Um, I found out Friday night, a couple of minutes after it was announced, I had, I, I was, I was traveling for some time off. I was in a great mood. I go to Twitter because you know that those are my streets. And the first thing I saw was an article from the AP saying that he died. I didn't believe it. And then saying that he had colon cancer, I had no idea. I don't think anybody except for people in this inner circle even knew that he had colon cancer. So it was it was rough, man. I mean, Black Panther, like it was for everybody else, was really big for me. Um, he was an actor that I really liked. Um, and I used to have a joke like, damn, every time you got to do a historical Black person, it's Chadwick Boseman playing that guy. Um, I watched The Five Bloods because he was in that movie. So, you know, just as, as somebody who, like, I really appreciated and enjoyed, it was just such a shock. And when somebody at that magnitude dies, it just always kind of was a surprise. So... It's been really interesting, but like I'm, I've been happy to also be able to celebrate the joy that we've gotten from all the things he's helped to create. Because it wasn't just Black Panther, because remember, they introduced his character in Captain America Civil War. And I remember how excited I was in the movie theater when him and Okoye pulled up and Okoye told um, Black Widow, aka Scarlett Johansson, move or you will be moved. And Black Panther was like, chill, I got this. Like, there was just so much energy to this. So... I'm, I'm sad to see him go, but I'm happy he's with the ancestors and he's left so much for us to enjoy. Selena, how are you feeling? And I know with your space in media, I definitely want to get your opinion on this. How do you think the media and, and sort of Hollywood are going to be impacted by his death? Great question, Tammy. And I just want to give a shout out to Allison Thompson, who on Facebook wrote, Rest in Power, Chad, Wakanda Forever. And Bianca, who wrote on our uh, Zoom chat by feed, 42 was one of my favorite movies. Um, he, he was pivotal. And I think that the way, so he had such a, a, a grand impact on Hollywood when he was alive, right? Because rather than taking stereotypical roles that um, sort of portray Black people as either thugs or you know, violent or, you know, whatever it had been, he was intentional about using his power and his God-given gifts to uplift the community by portraying Black icons mm -hmm. and really doing these roles justice. So he had a, he made a tremendous impact by being alive. And then obviously his 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 um the milestone movie that he did was Black Panther, and that changed you know my perception of Hollywood as well because it showed that Hollywood could actually. Um, invest in an all-black cast with a black-centric theme that is also Afrocentric and be successful and become the, the most successful Marvel movie, um, you know, one of the most successful Marvel movies ever made. So, I mean, with him not being there, his absence is speaks volumes. Um, I, I think that the legacy that he created will obviously will definitely live beyond him. And he, he accomplished so much. He literally changed the world. Like, we did a show back in 2018 about not just Black Panther, the movie, but, but the movement. Like, it literally became a mantra for Black empowerment, love, respect, and just what it, 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 it gave us the ability to, 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 to think beyond just the racial injustice fight that we have here and to see, like, what an ideal world would look like had we never been colonized 
and how we never had American chattel slavery. And I think just giving us that ability to, 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 to see what life could and should have been for us, it, it really changed a lot of us. And it came out when Trump, Black Panther came out when Trump was president. It was yeah. like the nice thing. Like, it was like, oh, we got something nice that we can kind of turn our brains off from like the world being on fire. It was such a happy escape. Evan, I know that you were, you know, doing work that is arguably hard this weekend, like being out there, putting your body on the line and like literally face to face with the place of an administration that actively discourages black excellence and black legacy. How do you think Chadwick Boseman and his legacy will take place in our movement? Like, how do you see his legacy living up to kids that maybe have participated in that march that you were in or kids who will be leading the way in the future? Oh, it's, it's immeasurable. It will never go away. I mean, it doesn't matter what administration there is. He left an impact you saw with, with those, those children who um, know, may not know all the politics behind it, but know the reality, uh, sometimes through their parents probably, of certain talks that uh, many black families have, that many white families don't, about what it means to be black in this country. And then to see that and to also see that excellence at such a high level, to see a superhero, to see a king at that level, juxtaposed to that reality, that matters as a kid. That gives you hope. That's like, all right, there's this horrible reality about being black in America, but there's also this hope. Yeah, it's a superhero, but it's based on a real guy who got here, who played it. And even if he's dead, it doesn't change the fact that this movie was made. The, like you said, the, the, the world changed, especially the way uh, media has been perceiving black roles has changed. I think that it has an invaluable effect and that the kids of many people at that protest and many people at that protest, no matter what administration, um, it, it, it'll, it'll never go away. It's, it's going to impact them for the rest of their lives, the work he did. No, you're right, Evan. And immeasurable is really the perfect word because y'all got to remember, this man is someone who is trained and versed and talented in a number of ways and skills in his industry. Black Panther broke records across the board. I mean, the representation alone, the number of significant black figures in that movie, the use of black workers, I mean, this was something that really gave us hope that there was place for black representation in mainstream media, in a conglomerate as big as, you know, Marvel and Disney, and was something that a lot of artists really respected about that. Um, but beyond that, shout out to the people in the, the Zoom leaving comments, like Bianca and Kwanzaa, y'all are right. He was intentional about his contribution to the culture. He was a figure that gave hope and always paid it forward. And so to me, as somebody who looks at, you know, cinema and movies and things like this as pieces of fine art, we lost possibly one of the best talents of our time. Um, I know Bianca, shout out to you for coming with the facts, um, mentioned that he did actually work at the Schomburg um, up in Harlem, specifically with other black and brown youth um, on play directing and acting. And he also paid it forward by always, always shouting out fellow co-stars, especially ones that didn't have clout like he did, black dark-skinned women and other actors and producers that didn't have clout. So this was someone whose literal job it was in life was to uplift people. And we have no doubt that what comes next will be Basically, his living legend has now been immortalized. He will now go down in history alongside the famous names that he has portrayed. Sure, Thur Thurgood Marshall gave us, showed us what we could do with law. James Brown showed us what we could do in music. Jackie Robinson showed us what we could do in sports. And Chadwick Boseman showed us what we could do on the screen and in the fine arts. Um, do y'all have anything else to yeah. add? Just just yeah, no, for sure. Don, I just wanted to shout out Don L. Left a comment on Facebook. He says he always looked forward to seeing Chadwick in, in, the, in the Express 42 Marshall Get It Up. He always brought history to life in most of his roles that he took, his story, his legacy. Another thing I want to bring up is the fact that, like, obviously he died from colon cancer. Uh, this cancer is, colon cancer specifically, has a disproportionate effect 
on black people. Um, not only are we disproportionately more um, likely to contract it, but also to die from it. And I think that, you know, him filming these, um, filming all of these projects and putting his best foot forward while suffering in so much pain and probably felt like silence because he, he could not, he didn't reveal it to the public. That also speaks to his, um, him just being a, a real life hero. And then number two, I think it sheds awareness on just like the health disparities that we've been talking about, especially since the onset of COVID. Um, you know, Black people, when it comes to different health issues and problems, we are always getting the brunt of it. And I think um, this will help us to make sure that we're taking, you know, our screenings more seriously, our doctor's visits more seriously, and just paying more attention to our lifestyles. Um, obviously, we know that these disparities are also caused because of lack of access um, when it comes to, you know, medical experts and, and just having these things plentiful in our communities. We don't have those advantages. So, but it is something I think that a lot of us will take more seriously now that we know that this young, Black, successful man was killed, was, you know, died from colon cancer. So we have to take help. We have to take our help seriously. And so those... Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, I just want to say, you know, uh, Bianca even put in the comments, Young Black and Gift, and he gave a great speech and an award show about what it means to be young, black, and gifted and still be given uh, the quote unquote lesser role, the lesser opportunity, despite all of this. And to know you have this, these gifts in you, this excellence in you, and to still be given uh, almost like a secondhand uh, type role, type of opportunity. And then he ended it with saying, you can't say Black Panther without saying two, which was both very sad and very powerful. And I think what that really meant is Chadwick's like, I'm not here for tokenism. I'm not here just to be here. I'm here to excel. I'm here to show I'm as gifted as anyone else and to show any young uh, black child out there, you're as gifted as anyone else. It's not being there, of course, is important, but being there on the same plane as a, a white actor, as a white person, as, as saying, we, I, I deserve the same opportunity because I got the same talent because I can fulfill any role is really important. Like he wasn't here for tokenism. He was here to show that I, I and everyone else who looks up to me is just as good. And when you're young, black and gifted, you, you deserve to get you know some gifted opportunities too. And I, I think that was a really powerful speech he gave. And I just wanna say also about uh, Selena's point to colon cancer. A lot of people I didn't even notice were like making comments about how he looked the last time he went online. Yeah. You never know what someone's going through. We gotta stop that. Like, we got to be a little more decent to people. I didn't know that even happened, but, you know, you never yeah. know what's going through. Just to clarify what Evan was saying, I think back in April, he posted a video of himself, um, you know, encouraging people to vote. And he had he had a dramatic weight loss. Yes. And, of course, people were, like, you know, like, speculating what was wrong with him. Some people thought maybe he was doing this for a role. I'm sure, you know, there were some conspiracies of, oh, is he doing drugs or whatever he is. And like you said, yeah. we definitely need to be kind because the internet is, is literally out of control. Like, you know, we because we have this layer of protection, this screen, we think we could just say anything and everything to people. Like, if this was a coworker of yours or somebody in your family, would you put them on blast and say, like, oh, you look horrible? Like, no, you wouldn't. Caribbean you would be just family, like a would. human being. Go ahead, Stanley. I said, if you're in a Caribbean family, they will. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um... You know, it's funny because even in the movie The Five Bloods, where, like, he was a main character, but he wasn't in the movie a lot, he looked noticeably smaller. And I thought that, like, that he was just playing a role. Um, but, yeah, we got to stop that. But then also, so Chadwick, before he died, while in the four years that he had colon cancer, did Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, Black Panther, Thurgood Marshall, and two other movies... And a lot, 21 Bridges, a lot of people <clears throat> are giving him props for doing all that work while he had cancer. And that is amazing. But like everybody deals with these ailments differently. And let's not be ableist either. Like let's remember that like he shouldn't have had to do that. That's capitalism. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just know that like 
there are so many things from his death that we have lessons about and inspiration for like his work ethic is one like sure i'm not gonna put down people who are like praising him for all he got down um all he got done with an illness because i still think you know he's rich he he did what he did. He could have bowed out and, you know, just stayed at home, not taken any roles, just coasted off his millions in the bank. But um, it really does speak volumes to people that he still went on and went on to portray a fantastical superhero, like a legendary icon, basically, um, and did all that through struggling. We also learn so many other lessons, like to keep persevering in your arts, to make sure that you always, always, always go for the role that you think you can accomplish, even if you're a minority, and basically to keep it real and to keep your faith centered and to keep your family first and to empower and uplift your community. So thank you so much, Chadwick Boseman, and thank you to all our listeners who are honoring him in your own ways. Um, today and for the rest of the weekend. I know that I'm probably going to go and rewatch Black Panther sometime before the day ends. Yeah. Um, and on that note, Selena, I'm going to pass it to you. Uh, thank you for listening to the News Roundup, today's tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Um, please hit us up on at Be Heard Talk if you have any ideas for upcoming stories that you want to hear discussed next week. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for that, Tammy. And again, thank you for all those who are going off in the comments. We appreciate um, the engagement. But um, yeah, so we did want to just talk uh, more about what's going on when it comes to sports and obviously the fight for social justice and racial justice. So it was last Sunday, August 22nd, when a 29-year-old black father named Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back by police officers in Kenosha, Kenosha um, Wisconsin, in front of his children after reportedly trying to break up a fight. Now, we all saw that video. It looked like the police basically shot him at point-blank range in an attempt to kill him. Now, this, this shooting comes as the tipping point in the national fight against racial injustice and police violence against black and brown bodies, which has been marked by a string of ongoing protests led by the Black Lives Matter movement which of course was triggered back in May when we all watched, well, most of us watched George Floyd murdered right before our eyes as he suffocated to death. So in response, the Milwaukee Bucks refused to play in game three of the NBA playoffs last week, inciting a three-day strike in the NBA, which then trickled into other sports leagues, including the WNBA, the uh, Major League Baseball, and the National Hockey League. Athletes are basically saying enough is enough. And although the NBA strike has ended, the pro basketball labor stoppage was remarkable in both its display of strength and power and what it did and what it accomplished. So on today's episode of Be Her Talk, we're unpacking the demand for justice, uh, the, the, the way that the NBA and other sports leagues are reacting to it and basically asking, can athletes save the world? We know that these are, you know, beyond athletes, they are our favorite entertainers. A lot of them are involved in a lot of philanthropic issues. Uh, they have a lot of power and their platforms are far reaching, well, well beyond sports. Yeah. So by them speaking up in this arena, it definitely goes a long way. So I actually want to start this conversation by just getting some reaction to what you thought about the shooting of Jacob Blake and the reaction in sports. I'll start with you, Stanley. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, listen, we've been here way too many times to count now. That video is probably one of the most gruesome I've ever seen. And just like, just like, you know, it was really rough watching that and then having to once again go through the same old song and dance where people are saying that he was resisting or he had a knife or he had a warrant and there's no accountability for the cops. And then all of a sudden to like be going through that and kind of like dealing with the usual emotions you deal with when the police shoot an unarmed person because they do it a lot and that person's usually black. To all of a sudden hearing that NBA players are talking about going on strike. I didn't believe it at first. And then all of a sudden 
the Milwaukee Buck players, the players, not the owners, were like, we're not playing. The Wisconsin legislation needs to come back to session and deal with this. And then the Lakers did it too. And then all of a sudden, all the NBA teams. But the thing that probably blew me away was the Seattle Mariners of the Major League Baseball. When baseball, all players also went on strike, I knew we were in a different space. Because for those of you who know me, you know I love baseball, as does Evan. But anybody who knows me and Evan also knows that we are not dreamers. We understand that baseball is probably the, like the, the sport with the most racist owners and players. So when they did that, that was a big deal. And then come to find out hockey was doing it too. Like hockey, it was, you know, it was a moment of hope and what has been a really dark moment in our country. I was yeah. kind of surprised. Oh. Honestly, Stanley, I was kind of surprised to hear baseball and hockey. Was it like multiple teams from each league? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, the Mets and the Marlins, uh, I didn't see it. I just saw some of the coverage of it. My understanding was they went on the field. They made a, a silent statement. One of the pitchers wrote Black Lives Matter on the mound. And then they both walked off. Yep. And, and that was what they did for that day in the game. And uh, the Yankees, the day after, John, I don't know if this was sanctioned by the team or not, whatever, John Carlson and Marcus Timms did their own conference and said, listen, this keeps happening. This, this is not a moment, which is something like when, when Steven Jackson comes on, I want to talk about that. Like, this can't just be a moment. This has to be a movement. Yeah. Because everybody else is going to want this to be a moment that goes away and then get back to making your money. No. This has got to be now the norm that athletes will say what they want, that they'll show, like make even demands even, and say us playing is based on our humanity. If you're not respecting the humanity of people that look like us, we're going to show it. And Marcus Tim said, my son watched that, and he said, why did they shoot him? And he said, I barely had answers. I mean, he had answers, but like to tell a kid, it's tough, the conversations that black parents got to have with their children. So I'm glad at least – that, that those players from the Yankees went out and, and kept it real, but... Real quick, Evan, yeah. I want to, like, I'm really proud of the NBA and the MLB and the NHL, but we just had to make sure we shout out the WNBA. WNBA, yeah. yeah. about this life yeah. on day yeah. one. So when I found yeah. out that the NBA was striking, I knew the WNBA was going to do something, was going to have some heat. And yeah. not only did they not play, I think it was a Phoenix um, Mercury came to the courts with white T-shirts with seven bullet hole, bloody bullet holes in the back of them, all the players. Yeah. Yep. It was, I'm telling you, man. The shirts also spelled out Jacob Blake. Yeah. Um, like if they stood together. The, the WNBA, you know, whatever sports, the WNBA, as always, black women are carrying the movement. They are so in line. They, their whole union is with it. And they've put out a statement that not only addresses Jacob Blake and the state of things in the country, but they are also calling to arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor in memory of all other black women who have died. Oh, yeah, thank you, Bianca. It's actually the Washington Mystics Water Jacob Blake shirts, not the Phoenix Mercury. Thank you, Bianca. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and this speaks to uh, something that's actually been happening in the sports world for decades on end. I mean, you know, LeBron James and Colin Kaepernick are nowhere near the first athletes to take such a prominent stance. And even all the athletes and the players in the WNBA, it was athletes like John Carlos, Tommy Smith, and Muhammad Ali who were using their platforms to speak out against racial injustice in the 50s and 60s. Stanley, let's talk about some of the history behind athletes and activism because I feel like a lot of us may like, oh, this is such a, you know, a radical change. Like, look at them standing up for justice. No. Hasn't this been happening beforehand, Stanley? It has happened. This is probably, like, the stakes are the highest they've ever been. So, for example, the only time I could think of a higher, like, a protest with, where the stakes were higher was there was a college basketball team, I think based in Arizona, um, and it was the first interracial college basketball team. And in the championship game, to prove a point, the coach only played the black players to prove that black players were just as good as white players. So, and we've had NBA games, Boston Celtics players, um, they, like, they have sat out of games or walked out of games in the preseason, but never have you seen NBA players or any sports players actually go on strike in a playoff game. And not just that, they've gotten real deliverables from this. So LeBron James has his company, his organization, 
that's going to train a bunch of people to become poll workers. But now every NBA team has committed to using their stadiums as polling sites. And every NBA team is committing to donating a certain amount of money to organizations who do work on, on Black-related issues. And, like, they're asking for more. They are asking for much, much more. This is pretty big deal. Evan, I want to get your, your take on it because, you know, I think a lot of us were very surprised when Major League Baseball players actually joined in this fight in the National Hockey League. Is, is this something that was unprecedented for those sports leagues in particular? I mean, lately, as Stanley pointed out, baseball has not exactly been on the front of the line of this. But if you're talking historically, oh, absolutely. A lot, at first, I want to say a lot of people forget something about Jackie Robinson. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think you, we talked about the Stanley, about Jackie Robinson autobiography. He wrote, once he retired, he wrote a whole passage about, I don't stand for the flag. The flag don't represent me. This is, this is not a new thing, what Colin Kaepernick said. This is something Jackie Robinson said, too. The only reason Jackie Robinson didn't act in that way initially is because he needed to play and, like, not die. I mean, Jackie Robinson, like, had death threats every single day. He barely had his own team on his side. He knew when Branch Rickey made that agreement with him, he, he said, look, I, part of the reason I'm going to be there is because I can't say certain things while I'm playing. But after he played, he did not stand for the flag. He was very outspoken about racial injustice issues. So this has always been a part of sports. It was a horrible narrative that sports and politics have always been away. First of all, humanity shouldn't even be part of politics. But yeah. the fact that these, it's always been together. And to something Stanley said before about the college basketball player, I just want to give a quick story about Satchel Paige. Satchel Paige, at one point in the Negro Leagues, couldn't even play white teams, right? Regular white teams. He played basically like beer league softball teams. That's, that's the only type of team he could play. So one time someone got a hit off Satchel in one of these teams, like some company team. And the guy was like shouting racist comments at Satchel from first base. Satchel was going easy on him. Then he struck out the next three batters after that to say, you think I'm playing? No, no, I could, I could throw a perfect game right now. And then he looked back and he said, who's that now to the guy on the other team? Because... He's like, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm going easy because you're on a softball team and you can't make it to the bigs. Yeah. So this was very common in baseball, too, where they couldn't even play the white teams, even though they had, they had better talent than them. Yeah. Nah, man. I mean, baseball, baseball has, used to be a space where a lot of activism has happened. Um, mm -hmm. Not so much now. And the thing people say about baseball is that baseball players don't care because they don't have black players. Yes, they do. It's the fact that baseball like, just does not have a good racial analysis. So they don't understand that half of their like, Latinx players are black. Yoanna Cespedes of the New York Mets is a black Cuban. <laughs> like, Ahmed Rosario is a black Puerto Rican. Um, David Ortiz. David Ortiz is a black Dominican. Yeah. So, like, they don't count the, the Spanish players as black, but they are. So this is an issue that lands right on them as well. But the MLB tends to be very conservative, very Christian. One of my favorite players, well, maybe not so much now anymore, Randy Nimmo is a Trump supporter. Oh, yeah, like, it's just, like, that's just how baseball has been. But basketball has really led the way. Go ahead, Stan, sorry. Yeah, no, but, no, thank you so much for that, that, that history lesson. I do think that, you know, seeing the athletes refuse to play a game, um, you know, just to take it back to the NBA in the current season, I definitely spoke volumes. I know that, you know, there's been players in the, the past who either wanted to speak up or, or wanted to protest back in the 90s uh, when the Rodney King um, beating was acquitted. Mm -hmm. But – Never to this degree have we seen this, but I feel like as much momentum as we as as momentum as much momentum as it started, it kind of felt like it ended pretty quickly. It was what, a three day strike. They have already resumed. Uh, did they end the strike too soon, Stanley? Um, and it was only and as Bianca points out, it was only a couple of games. Should they have? She says should they have boycotted the rest of the season? Would that have made a bigger a bigger impact? I think I agree with President Obama that they need to leverage a boycott. I don't think that they were ready to do that. I think that they felt frustrated and wanted to do something. So that's why they went on strike for those games. And I really appreciate that and respect that. And then they negotiated to come back and they got a couple of deliverables, which is good. Um, I'm not really gonna, you know, I'm not gonna criticize the NBA or the players for this because like they got what they thought they can get 
in a move that they probably did without thinking too deeply about it. I do want to give um, NBA player Kyrie Irving a lot of props because he said from the beginning the league should not come back and they should focus on addressing these issues. And everyone said he was crazy. And they ended up doing what he said they, would, they should do anyway. So major props to Kyrie for that. So, you know, yeah. what do you think will happen next? Will the MLD be doing anything, Evan? Because, like, they put Black Lives Matter. Like, I'm, on, I'm in a baseball group, right, on a baseball um, Facebook group, and mm -hmm. fans are pissed. So New York Mets um, first baseman Dominic Smith nailed during the, kneeled during the anthem, and people have been calling him a traitor, a racist, like pushing for the Mets to cut him from the team. And he's the best player on the team right now. He is literally the best player on the team. And then he did a press conference, but he was crying. And like people are in the group saying, well, oh, you want me to feel sorry for you? I don't feel sorry for people. That's racist. It's been really toxic. So dumb. Team. I can't even begin to go through the mental gymnastics of calling kneeling for racial equality racist, but that's that's yeah. a whole other thing. It's not um, it's not mental gymnastics. Honestly, it's just No, it's racism it's on the their part. Quo. No, it's the status quo. I mean, look, problematic opinion time. This is sports. You know, this is not a place that it's not like a movie where you send a message or a song where you write your feelings out. It's sports. There's like a purpose. And racist people watching sports do not want to learn and do not want to hear a message when they're being told, when they're watching something uh, that's meant to distract their mind. Now, I feel like it makes sense that sports leagues are going buck because look at the demographic of a lot of players and teams and supporters of sports industries. Of course we have to say something when it's literally our bodies on the line all the time, but it's not surprising. Yeah. And it, to me, it's not like, it's not mental gymnastics either because it, it, this is the country that we live in. People don't want to hear this and they especially don't want to hear it when they expect us to, as that lady say, shut up and dribble for their entertainment. So Tammy, can I ask you a question? Yeah. If you were in a space to organize these players, what would you be telling them right now? So first of all, they have unions and I'm not sure, I'm really, like I liked Bianca's question because I feel like they should have kept the boycott going. To me, when I saw this, I didn't think that this was, yes, it's unprecedented, but I didn't think it was legendary because we're in the midst of a giant upheaval Black Lives Matter movement. To me, this was regular, degular, capitalist, jump on board because it's part of the message appeal. Now, as an organizer, I would have made sure to work within the union and the heads of the union to continue to increase pressure and to strategically stage walkouts, not just of games, but events, endorsement deals, until they had a better platform. Yeah. I feel like it was a great step. You're right that they really did get, you know, a few demands and it was really smart of them to ask, um, for stadiums to be used as polling places, um, for statements, all of that kind of stuff. But I would have gone harder with the unions and like organizing the people that are funding them because those are the real decision makers and those are the people that would actually make a long-term difference instead of just like a celebrity status statement. But I don't know. I, I mean, we, we, we gotta put, oh, sorry. Did you wanna say something, Sam? No, no, I was gonna ask you to go ahead, sorry. We got to put things in comparison, Tammy. I agree. Ideally, it would be much. Uh, ideally, it would be much better to have a longer strike to something that could possibly have more impact. But we have to look at things in context and and in the hyper capitalist society economy that we live in. This is a big deal. Okay, yeah. it is a big deal to have all the major sports not play. To lose one day's worth of money, pay, revenue is a big deal in the grand scheme of things for the country we have, for the sports we have. I don't, I don't know about you, Stanley. I don't think this happened before. I don't remember all four major teams going, I mean, all the major teams going on, uh, leagues going on strike at the same time. Yeah. I don't remember that, even if it's just for one day. And also, I just want to be clear, this is a strike, not a boycott. Yep. A boycott would be if the fans did not, were not patrons of the league. These are employees. They are paid employees, and they are going on strike, and they are not getting paid, which to us may seem like nothing. But look, 
they could have gotten paid. They could have still gotten a few, whatever, $100,000 or, or tens of thousands of dollars that day, and they chose not to. Yeah. And it's, it's still a big deal. And it shows, even if it's a few days, to me, it shows like, we can do this. We yeah. may choose to go back, but make no mistake, if this keeps happening, we will do more. We can do this. And before, it wasn't even like an option that they would do that. So now it's been put on blast that if you continue to disrespect us without our uniform, we won't put the uniform on all the time. Yep, it, it is definitely like a toxic relationship, Bianca. Real quick, guys, I want to bring Selena back into this conversation. Selena, do you have an update for us on the guest? Yeah, so Steven Jackson, uh, per his publicist, is saying that due to an unfortunate uh, circumstance, he has to reschedule. However, he will be available and we will be going live with him on Instagram later on today. So please stay tuned. Again, my apologies for all those who tuned into our regularly scheduled programming at 2 p.m. Eastern uh, Be Heard Talk. That's when we do our regular show. And I know we were all looking forward to having this discussion with him here. However, I'm getting word from his publicist. He's tied up at the moment. Um, but it look, it's looking like we're going to have to push him back to have an Instagram live later on today. So please follow uh, Be Her Talk for, for um, updates concerning that. So thank you so much, uh, Stanley and everyone else. And Selena, like just to kind of loop you into the conversation a little bit, as somebody who works in the press, how has the media like been talking about this, like these boycotts this week? Sorry, these, yeah. strikes, these strikes, sorry. Well, I mean, great point, Stanley. Everyone's calling it a boycott. <laughs> I mean, this is not a boycott is when, you know, from my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is when consumers hold back their dollars. Yes. Yes. Like we saw the Montgomery boycott, which was effective in uh, desegregating the buses in Montgomery during the civil rights movement. And of course, that was led by Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King and the entire uh, civil rights leaders at that time. Um, this is a strike where you have a labor force um, who, who are saying, we will not play because of this racial injustice, we're taking a stand. However, to me, even though it was you know, effective and very powerful and impactful for three days, capitalism has ruled again, right? Because they went back to work because you know what? Money makes this world go round. We are in a system where if you don't work, you don't eat. And the, the fact of the matter is, even though we are working and, and contributing our labor uh, to make the richest one and 2% of people wealthier, it still has a trickle down effect on us. So, you know, they did the most that they can in a capitalistic system. You know, if, if we all decided, you know, if a couple folks decided they weren't gonna work, they are gonna suffer the, the, the immense consequences. If we all collectively decided not to work, then we can make some real change. Well, Selena, it sounds like what you're saying, and maybe you're not saying this, and just like the lefty in me is pushing you towards this, is that we should take advantage of worker strikes to get more, like to get more clear victories. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I mean, like- it Should really just be athletes, like maybe we should go on a worker strike until we can get some very clear deliverables on making black and brown people safer and stopping state-sanctioned violence. Would you support that? I would, but to me, theor like theoretically, that sounds great, but Stanley, you're a community organizer. You do this for a living. How sustainable and realistic would it be for us to all go on a worker strike to stop racial injustice? I'm going to ask the one who's organizing on the ground right now, Sammy David. What do you so think? An interesting thing about the labor movement in the U.S. is that it's capitalism here is so strategic. They've made it so that we rely on our jobs and our employers for basic civil and human rights like healthcare. So that's why fundamentally it's hard to do labor strikes and sustain them. And that's why even people like teachers and sanitation workers and essential workers during the pandemic have found it incredibly difficult to demand things that they need um, for working and living conditions. I will say that on something like the NBA, um, even though we think that they're celebrities and that they have a lot of leverage, their physical bodies and their presence and their image is built into their contract. So it is really, really, really hard to build a strike like that without having everybody on board and the resources beforehand to deal with the consequences that could come from a working strike. These people could be put into debt for the rest of their lives. I'm talking like property repossession, no insurance, um, 
maybe even like assets, all of that other stuff is tied into their very being. So while, while it, while you can say, um, if everybody walks out, uh, it'll be powerful and more likely. That's not necessarily true because capitalism banks on cheap labor being available um, all the time. And people are reliant on it with, you know, chronic conditions and the need for dental insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's actually really hard to sustain this. And that's why it's even more impressive that it lasted as long as it did, especially on like a national scale. Yeah, like just look at New York City where folks weren't even trying to strike Mayor de Blasio. His own staffers just didn't like the way that he was moving with the police, but they were afraid to call it out because they might lose their jobs. So much so that a couple of months ago, there was an open letter from a bunch of his former staff people where they criticized him. And then there was an activist on Twitter who started outing staff members who didn't sign the letter that currently work for de Blasio. And I know a couple of de Blasio folks, and like it was really scary for them because it's not that they didn't agree that de Blasio was doing things poorly. It's that they need their jobs to live, and they couldn't take that risk. Yeah. Uh, strikes are possible, but it takes a deep level of organizing and preparedness that I don't think like folks have understood just yet. Um, Evan, how would you feel about a national strike? It, it's, it's a cycle, right, like we've been discussing. So you, you would go on strike for the basic needs, but your job is providing you those basic needs. So while you're striking, you're missing out on the basic needs you're striking to have better versions of. Yeah. So it's like you're going to be without what you want in, in the process of the strike. So it's like we can't, we can't expect certain people to always go on strike, to always boycott. I even, you know, Stan and I have read VSB since, I don't know, since we were babies. I don't know. We always read VSB. Yeah. But even Damon, Damon Young was even saying, look, if the best deal is on Amazon, if the best deal is in H&M, you cannot fault broke families for sometimes, hey, contributing in a capitalist world to capitalism for them to save money. It's exhausting. He said sometimes we can't fault people because sometimes it is exhausting to boycott, especially if you're in a marginalized community. And I agree with him. And also, let's not forget that, look, there are some superstars in the NBA that certainly this won't affect them. There's some people trying to make a team. There's some baseball players trying to make a team. And I know people in sports who were at high levels and then they got injured. I know people in sports who only played a few days. They're not all rich. They, we may think everybody in sports is set for life. They're not. They certainly maybe are in a better position than some of us, but a permanent strike can really affect some people and their entire career. This matters. So we can't expect that. Also, it's about leverage. They're doing a few games, like I said, to show we can do a few games. The more that they're listened to or not listened to, that may expand or contract. If they said we're not playing from the start, people may not believe them or they wouldn't have the same leverage. You have, they're doing it strategically in a capitalist system that is based on bargaining. Yeah, so like, I want to kind of like start to close this conversation up a bit. Um, and I want to like give folks a chance to have their closing statements. I'd like to wrap in a question that um, Bianca asked in the chat for folks. So um, what Bianca asked is, you know, are athletes inherently responsible to adjust social movements? So as you're giving your, your closing statements, try to consider like the answer for that if you have one. I want to start with Tammy. Tammy, the floor is yours. So I don't think that athletes are responsible for saving the world. And I don't think actually that, you know, sports is going to play a pivotal role in saving the world. What I do think though, is that these people have a platform and by using this platform, they can amplify the mass movement that is already building on the ground. There are people like Tamika Mallory in Minneapolis and beyond that are out there organizing communities constantly and using sports and, and athlete celebrity status to amplify the needs of the communities as well as what's going on is what will jettison the movement to, I think, a national scale. So I don't think that they should be held accountable, but I do think, and I'm going to quote Steven Jackson on this and his rap song, is this a court or a cotton field? They need to be cognizant of the role that they play they are black bodies essentially owned by rich white men to entertain the masses. And so 
they should speak up on the nuance that that should create. They should be honest about the emotional, you know, conflicting thoughts that they have, you know, being secure themselves by being famous, but also being a part of a community that is targeted. And by that, that's how I think that they're going to help the movement, not necessarily by leading it. Thank you, Evan. Uh, I have to highly disagree with part of what Tammy said. Um, sports are extremely important to our society. They have brought people together for a very long time. And the reason why sports are so important to social movements, I'm not saying that it is the duty of athletes. I'm not saying it's the duty of actors. Uh, I know we're not going there, but my point is that things that are escape for people are actually one of the most crucial parts of social movements because that is where people avert their eyes and think they won't get certain level of realness. So you got to hit them with that realness because they're looking away from it. So they're looking away from CNN. They're looking away from BET. They're looking away from HuffPost. They're looking away from MSNBC. They're looking away from people like Tamika Mallory who are doing the real work on the ground. So when they're looking away, that's where that movement really matters because that's where those eyes are going to be. And if you hit people in the pocket, if you hit people where they have their escape, then it causes disruption. And that's what a revolution is about a lot of times, disruption. So I think it is extremely important. Is it fair to put the burden on them? No. But do they have one of the most crucial roles? Yes. And that's just something you come into as being an athlete. You may have not signed up for it, but it's the case. Thank you, Selena. Yeah, I'll say this by, it is so unfortunate that we can't just be black in America. We can't just be black doctors. We can't just be black teachers. We can't just be black professional baseball players. It is always incumbent upon us to feel, to speak, and to be connected to our community and the many injustices that we feel, right? These black players, all they wanted to do, most of them, is play ball and escape you know, poverty and whatever circumstances a lot of them come from. And instead, they have to speak up and use their platforms to fight for their community. And not only, you know, it's almost unfair to them. Like Charles Barkley said, no one asks um, white players and white athletes, what, what's going on in white America? Why your, why your white uncles and friends and grandfathers racist? Why they keep voting for Trump? Why these white cops keep shooting down black unarmed people? No one asks white athletes these questions. No one asks black, like white teachers these questions. No one does. It is, if you are black in America, you cannot just exist. You can't. Like you literally have to speak for a large, like a, a larger system that is beyond us. And I'm grateful that these athletes have taken on this responsibility. I'm grateful that they are socially conscious and, and woke and have decided that, you know, this is no longer about just playing games. Like, oh, you know, no, no, no. This is beyond basketball. This is bigger than basketball. This is bigger than my career. I have to speak to stop racial injustice. And I'm just saying that it's not only is it is it honorable, but that's burdensome. Like, it's hard enough just trying to make it in this world it's hard enough to just try to be black but on top of that like you have to use this is what they're doing your platform to try to try to stop something that that's been happening for generations like i i just i just wanted to make that point i don't know if athletes can save the world um but i'm happy that they're trying so thank you so much Rasalina. and like you actually bring a point that i want to bring here today um as we're all listening to the show that we have a chance to learn more about white supremacy and how whiteness works. And one of the great things that white supremacy does for white people is it allows them to be individuals. And when you fall, when you don't fall within the, the, the power framework of white supremacy because you're a black person or you're a brown person, one of the things that you lose is your autonomy. You don't get to be an individual. You don't get to just exist. You cannot because the simple act of existing is a challenge to white supremacy, especially if you're doing it within a framework that does not benefit it or them. So should players have to be activists and leaders? No, they shouldn't have to be. But is there being black and 
them being black or brown people or them being people who love black people, does that put them in a position where they need to be active and they need to be vocal? Absolutely. Being a black person in America and just living your life is a radical act and it's an act of defiance. And so even if you have no intention of being involved in anything, congratulations, you are in the movement and you just got to decide how you're going to navigate through it. So everyone who's watching this show right now on Facebook Live, or on Zoom, who's listening on podcasts or wherever you're getting it from, if you are black, if you are brown or you have black people in your life who you love, you are here. You are in this, whether you want to be or not. Find your space in the movement and show up as best as you can because we will not topple any of this until we all understand that we are in this together and it hurts us together. That's all I got to say about that. So, folks, we are wrapping up another action-packed episode of Be Heard Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're sorry about the mix-up with the guests. As Selena said earlier, Stephen Jackson had something he had to take care of. He couldn't be on, but we will be having him either later on today on um, IG Live or at some point in the near future. If you enjoyed this show, please consider supporting us. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Talk where you can contribute to us. You could give us as little as $2.75, which at the deli by my crib gets you a bacon, egg, and cheese on a raisin table. And you can give as much as $500 a month if you like. We'll take that too. Also, if you like the show, listen, we're on podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast from, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Podomatic, anywhere, we're on there. Subscribe. And as always, thank you for being fans. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting us. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining.